Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. How are you, Stacey? I'm doing well, John. I'm back home in North Carolina. I'm enjoying the view out my back door of falling leaves, uh, leaves that are beautifully colored in yellows and oranges and uh, reds. So I, I'm 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 enjoying the fall weather right here at home in North Carolina. How about you? Are you home this week? I am I am home this week, and I, I was thinking earlier this week that this is in some ways my first fall in California. I've yeah. always lived in evergreen forests in the redwoods and and around yeah. the redwoods, and now that I'm out in wine country, there are more decisions trees and the vineyards change colors this time of year so it is this just magical reds the the, the valleys are carpeted with the rows yeah. of reds and yellows um in the vineyards and the i actually stood somewhere yesterday and was pelted with falling leaves and that's not really <laughs> what what i think of as fall in california but but, but it's different from region to region it, it is, it is. And I will say, pelted with falling leaves is not so bad. When you start getting pelted with falling oak nuts, <laughs> then the our big oak tree um, has a, a series of, of constant um, uh, bombardments to, on our vehicle with big dings and, and loud yells every time we drive out of our driveway. So, yes, um, leaves are fine. Nuts, not so much. <laughs> So one of the things I want to be sure to talk about is I'm really excited about having Benefit Ed as a sponsor. They've been kind enough to to believe in us, and they're they're a company that does um, uh, tuition, uh, student loan repayment programs, and 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 they also can have savings for for tuition going forward. Um, and it's just great to have them as sponsors. We'll hear about hear about them in the middle of the show. So what's in the mailbag, Stacey? Well, it's been a busy week. Not a lot of loud stuff, but a lot of little things. And I think that's what you're going to generally see over the next um, couple of months is that we're going to see a lot of little announcements sort of leading up to probably some big stuff, I would assume, next year. Um, we've got um, some updates this week from Kronos Works. Um, I was there in Las Vegas at their conference with um, over 3,300 individual uh, participants at their event last week um, at the ARIA. So we can do some updates there. We also have some updates from iSIMS, um, and they had their analyst event um, and some interesting news from that um, the previous week. Um, some news in the LMS space. Cornerstone um, uh, did an acquisition of Grovo, for those who know about the micro-learning tool Grovo. We can talk a little bit about that. Uh, Saba um, finalized their acquisition of Lumess. We talked a bit about that when it happened, but there's some more updates on what they're planning on doing with that. Muse acquired the HR tech company TalentShare. Muse is um, sort of a um, career planning, career um, uh, tool for um, new entries into the, the workforce. Um, so that's an interesting one. Uh, and then we have um, lots of new API launches. Um, Moonlighting launching a new on-demand hiring API. Uh, Eightfold launching AI-powered personalized career sites. Um, we also saw Phenom People announcing um, uh, their new talent acquisition market. 
Um, and then investments as well. Real-time uh, board got a $25 million investment this week. Uh, Lively raised $11 million in Series A funding. AnyMind out of the Singapore market um, raised $13.4 million. So, like I said, lots of, of interesting stuff going on this week. Um, where do you want to start at, John? Do we, do we want to start with Kronos Works or, or someplace else? Oh, yeah. Tell us, tell us about your adventure with Kronos. You were there this week uh, in the beautiful Las Vegas. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> it was Las Vegas, but I don't know about beautiful. That depends on who you are as to whether or not you think. What I really love about Las Vegas is the flight to and back from it, because when you were uh, flying over, particularly if you're going sort of down towards Houston, you get to see, you know, the Badlands and, and some of the beautiful um, uh, land that you have to fly over there. But, um, yeah, no, um not something that um, I would call beautiful, but it is Las Vegas. The weather was nice. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a great event. Um, you know, Kronos Works is, all, is one of those events where, you know, you go, and, and the people who are there are really solid practitioners. These are people every day who are working on some of the most difficult payroll and scheduling and attendance issues that, the largest companies in the world are dealing with, right? Um, Kronos does is traditionally known for their workforce management applications, although they have been getting into the human capital management or HRMS space and talent management space with their workforce ready products and their now workforce dimension products. Um, and so a lot of the conversation this week was about um, work and and how it gets done and the HR component of that. So it was much more of a conversation um, about HR and uh, building the right work environment, which was something I think was somewhat new for Kronos because they've up to this point been very heavy on compliance because of their background. Um, and that was not the tone of this event for them. Um, they had about 3,300 people there, as I had mentioned. Um, one of the things I thought that was really interesting um, is their keynote was the photographer Platon. If you've ever, if, you know, you've seen some of the most powerful sort of Time Magazine front shot covers of presidents or, you know, sort of looking up at them. Um, he did Obama and Clinton's and, you know, George W. and everybody. And um, he's all, he was also known for the, the photographer who did the um, picture of the mother who had sort of wrapped herself around the gravestone of her son who had been killed um, in Afghanistan, um, the uh, army uh, ranger, and um, was well known because um, uh, she was a Muslim and had put a Quran in front of his gravestone. So many people said that was one of the big deciding factors of some of the issues um, in the uh, elections that year. So he was a very powerful speaker, and I thought this was an interesting um, keynote for someone like Kronos to have because it really – his presentation wasn't about the workforce or even about sort of inspirations. It was about the importance of every decision that we make, and he tied it very succinctly to how – the people in HR are making powerful decisions about people's lives. And that was, was really powerful. And I think it was very insightful of, I think, Kronos to, to get this audience to sort of connect emotionally. And it was a very emotional presentation um, to the decisions they're making every day and how they impact people um, and their leadership roles individually in the HR space. Um, so, yeah, so I think they, they, the, the tone of the conference was very different this year. Um, they also made big announcements. They had a big artificial intelligence um, announcements that they're, um, they're 
uh, new out-of-first intelligence platform called Artificial Intelligence for Managers Employees, which they have now nicknamed Amy. So you will see a lot of the word Amy around Kronos. They talked about um, they now have 220 organizations on their new cloud um, technology work Kronos Workforce Dimensions, um, and that includes about 20% of them also have their HCM application within that. Um, uh, they have about a 90, they, within three releases, they'll have an, about 90% of the Workforce Central uh, product, which is their big complex Workforce Central pro product um, and parity with their Workforce Dimensions product. Um, and they talked a lot about sort of um, the their partnerships and their ecosystem. So they are now investing in partnerships for implementations, which they hadn't previously done a lot of. Um, and they're also investing heavily in partnerships with organizations like Facebook, um, with uh, organizations like IBM and Microsoft. They have them on the panel of our partnership along with a lot of others. But the interesting thing about that is that those partnerships are very deep in, um, you know, you work in Facebook uh, work environment, and you're and you've got you know windows and panes opening up about scheduling and chatbots who are working with Chrono. So it's very embedded in those products. Same thing with Microsoft Office 365. Um, your scheduling tools, your calendaring tools, tying right into the Microsoft Office 365 environment from the Chrono's applications. These are places that will make a difference in, in employees' lives, um, particularly uh, hourly workforce lives. Um, and so I thought it was quite uh, quite quite an event. So that's this is a big shift in intensity and focus for Kronos. This is not um, your mother's time clock company. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what what do you what do you make of that? Um, um, you know, I've made a big fuss over them because because they have data and data is the key to the development of intelligent tools. Um, um, but it's a you know, it's a, it's a monumental thing for a company with this sort of hardware-oriented legacy um, in administrative detail um, to step up and try to compete sort of shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with the likes of Ceridian and Workday. I, no, I, I agree. This is going to be an interesting thing to see. I mean, they're one of the few very large private companies in our HR technology industry, right? So I think that's one thing um, that is interesting to note. Um, Aaron Ain, who has been their, their chief executive officer for, for years and, and is now chairman of the board of directors, um, he is still there leading the ship making sort of think the, the big decisions as the direction of the organization. And he's, um, if you ever meet him, I think he's one of the most personable um, CEOs that I have ever had an opportunity to meet. He really cares about people, you know, but he cares about them in, in the, the most practical of sense. He understands the issues of sort of day-to-day -day work, right? And as you said, it's very, very focused on sort of those transactional items because that's been their life for a long time. Uh, they have a new president, um, Chris Todd, and I think, you know, part of, of his role is to sort of broaden the look of the organization, focus a lot more on this HR audience. A lot of what he talked about, bring Kronos into that HR audience conversation, so I think what's going to be interesting is getting HR to realize the value of that data. That's going to be their hard sell, and that's, I think, they're going to have to have a very different approach to the conversation because you and I get that workforce management data is important. It's all the scheduling and tracking and activities, right? Um, I don't know if 
HR because they, they weren't the buyer of these applications. Usually it's operations, right? I think right. their big job is going to be saying this application that you didn't buy and you may not have had any input in deciding on on getting it actually has more important data than that talent management system you bought or even that query HRMS that you bought, right? Well, well, well yeah, you know, there's a way to do that that's not so harsh. And, and, and the way to do that is to say, we have a sort of a stable look at the the data about our people in the traditional HR management systems. And what we just figured out about time and attendance and project accounting data is that that's how we know what our people actually do. Right. And so and so that additional chunk of information, you know, what are their skills is great. How do they deploy them every day? Where are they spend their time? That's powerful data for HR to consume. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and Kronos really has that data for some of the largest companies in the world. I mean, they, they really do have owned this space for many years um, at the at the largest size. And so I think part of their challenge will be to get their large vendors into the cloud. But what's, what was interesting about the conversation is they said this has not been – they were expecting most of their first clients and dimensions, and I can't mention some of them because they were under NDA, but they were expecting most of them to be the, the very smallest, right, in mid-market organizations. But they said some of the first organizations that signed on and were clamoring to use their new cloud products were some of their largest organizations, much larger than they expected, I would say. Um, and so. Um, you know, you know, we're talking at least in the you know, you know the 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 ten thousand employee range, which I think was a surprise for them because they were expecting it to mostly be SMB initially. I mean, they are building a product that they believe will be able to handle the largest companies in the world, but they were expecting their first entries to be the smallest, um, and that was not the case. And I think that gets to the fact that we've seen is that um, cloud is not only accepted now in the market. Um, but that large organizations are realizing that one of the biggest issues is they need to get that workforce management data, right? Well, and I think what, what's happening with the last decade is, as, as Silicon Valley has turned the economy on its head, um, traditional legacy companies have started to realize that being big means being vulnerable. <laughs> and so, and so, instead of what what normally happens in big organizations is innovation slows down. Um, in this next generation of stuff, you have to be fleet on your feet in order to have ten thousand employees and keep them. Yeah, exactly. Because um, somebody is always going to be coming along, nipping at your heels, and technology is giving those ankle biters sharper teeth. Yep, exactly. Um, right. And so you have to be more worried about it. And so it makes all the sense in the world that that um, people in big organizations are looking for answers. Yeah, and and so I think we're, we're gonna we're gonna hear more from Kronos. It's definitely an organization to be watching. But I think at the whole, um, you know, I think that it was almost people holding their breath when it came to workforce management um, and 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 the time and attendance and scheduling side of that, right? Which has always been the most complex side. 
along with things like payroll and others that connect with it. So now that Kronos has sort of put their stake in the ground and said, this is what we're offering, and, and some things they're not going to address outright, like gig economies and um, and some of the very, very complex industries, and, and they're only going to, I think they're slowly going to go into global. So there's a lot of space for competitors to come at this, I think, in a lot of different ways. But, you know, this this first move by, by Kronos in the cloud, in the workforce management, in a way I think that says, you know, this is a new way of looking at workforce management, um, is going to drive a lot of changes in this space. So, so um, it's, it's, I would say it's high time for this. You're listening to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Looking for a new way to attract and engage top talent? Add student loan repayment to your benefits lineup. Benefit Ed makes it easy to offer this in-demand benefit any time of the year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. With programs to help pay down student loans or save for college, Benefit Ed meets the education goals of employees at any life stage. Compete for the best and build your own dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. On the other side of things, you know, ISIMS is, you know, in the market that's constantly reinventing itself, which is recruiting. Um, and they did a big influencers event um, that I didn't get a chance to go to, but my um, colleague Aaron Spencer got a chance to go to um, that was in New Jersey. Um, and, and they're talking a lot more in their space of not only about artificial intelligence, but about you know, improving the candidate experience and enabling recruiters to act like marketers, um, reducing the the cost of advertising, so much that is a, a marketing conversation. Uh, you know, comparatively, these two industries, you know, are on the opposite spectrums of HR technology, right? Recruiting went to the cloud as quickly and as fast as it could. Um, they're making decisions about artificial intelligence as fast as they can. Um, what do you think about the difference between someone like an iSIMS, John, and someone like a Kronos and, and how they have to approach the market? Well, it's really, it's, it's a, one of the most interesting things about the HR market is, is that there are varying cycles inside of it. So you have to do the things that Kronos does day in and day out, regardless of what's going on in the economy. The, the the Kronos market is not cyclical. The recruiting market is terribly cyclical, right? And so so when the economy turns down, recruiting disappears. <laughs> and, and and so so part of the reason that recruiting also rapidly is it it grows very quickly and then it shrinks very quickly. And so every time it shrinks, it has to come back in a new form. Um, the 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 current array of stuff i think a lot of the current array of stuff that's going on in recruiting is related to the unemployment rate in the united states at at, at 3.8% it's really hard to hire people and so you have to do a lot of pretty extreme things in an economic condition that we've never been in before um yeah. uh, but you know you know uh, one of the consequences of the the election could well be a shift in the economic climate. Um, and um, if there's a shift in the economic climate, we'll see how important employment brand is. 
and marketing and candidate experience are to recruiting functions when people are beating down the doors to get a job. Yeah, you know, that's a... There, you know, there are cycles, and there's no doubt. Um, you know, one of the things that will be interesting to see is that in a down cycle, will this idea of branding of the next generating wanting a company that has a purpose and a and a and a, and a voice, right? Will that be as important when you're when you know there are less jobs in the market? Um, you know, there are some that are saying that that will stay true even after that um, happens, and and I think that will will be the big issue. But I don't think the one thing I don't think will change will be the expectations of better communications, and that seems to be a lot of what we're seeing um, in these um, recruiting tools is ways to communicate better with the candidates, and I do think that that expectation is not going to go away. Now, whether they will or not is a whole different conversation, but, um, you know, being able to communicate via your mobile, being able to communicate via your social tools, being able to communicate to me, you know, via my other marketing outlets, right? Um, that outreach conversation, I think, is, is going to continue to grow in a lot of different ways. So, so I would describe that. I mean, it's it's a little simplistic, but I would describe that as the consequence of the end of the newspaper industry. Yeah. Right. All of that stuff, all of that stuff you're talking about, was classified advertising before 1994. Right. It, it was. It was the the only people who did that function were the newspapers and occasionally television and radio when the employee when the economy got hot. Um, and now companies have to do that stuff for themselves, mm-hmm. um, and they have to do that stuff with better solutions. So, so some of it will certainly stick. Some of it will certainly stick. But the the overboard part is the idea that everybody who touches the company is entitled to a response. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess we will wait and see. Um, ISIMS definitely is investing in a lot of this, and I think that was the big message that came out of their analyst event um, was the focus on that and and data driven, you know, uh, conversations which we which we have all across the board. Now, one of the other things I think this week that's, that's really worth taking some time to talk about is the acquisition of Grovo. Now, Grovo, for those who haven't had the opportunity to see it, is um, not a large company, um, a little company that focuses on micro-learning. Um, they've produced over 2,500 micro-learning courses. Um, if you don't know what micro-learning is, it's, 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 it's chunks of learning that are segmented up. But when it's done really well, and Grovo was one of those, those organizations that really focused on doing it well, it's not just I've cut a video that's two minutes in length, or I've, it, it's about developing just the right amount of information in a way that it has enough information that you can sort of take it out of context, and yet it fits within context if you're following things. And that's harder than it makes sound to to do, to be able to sort of build a series of content that fits in context as well as out of context, depending on the needs. It's very personalized. It's very, very um, detailed. And it also is very much about which things need to be chunked into what areas. Um, and so that's a lot of what Grova focused on. They had over 300 clients, including really big ones like Gap and Chevron and Wells Fargo. Um, but um, Cornerstone On Demand has purchased them for $24 million, an all-cash deal. Um, and that acquisition is, is on top of a recent acquisition they did also of WorkPop. Um, 
But I think that the big thing for them is that this is um, focusing on their content anytime. Um, and they're expanding their content anytime tools as well with this announcement. Um, John, someone like Grovo, micro learning, you know, Cornerstone is getting into a little bit of the content creation business here. Um, is that where the LMS technology market wants to go? That's a, that's a little bit of a services business to some extent, isn't it? So, so, so it's it seems to me that 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 they're trying to figure out. Grovo was trying to figure out how to compete with YouTube videos that people just generate at their desktop, and and the difference between something that I make to show you how to do something on your machine and something that is professionally executed like it is at Grovo are the things that you talked about, the, the context that makes it useful um, as a standalone thing or as a part of something larger. And, and what you need then is a framework for all this stuff, right? Um, and, and so if I, if I were thinking about how Cornerstone does this, I'd be asking them questions about framework that allows you to put all this stuff together because having 2,500 micro courses to pick through sounds like you aren't going to get anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a list of 2,500 three-minute courses. Wow. You know, so you yeah. need an intelligent recommendation. I mean, this is, points to the to the notion that Quarterstone probably has a an AI project that builds a recommendation for navigating through those twenty five hundred pieces that is context sensitive by employer. So so in that regard, if they can find a way to sort of automate the LMS and make it intelligent, make it transparent, make it go away, um, so that you just get recommendations, then this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The only thing that I worry about is them getting back into the content creation. It doesn't sound like that from the announcement. It sounds like they're very much going to be focused on this as, as you said, content recommendations. But you know, in the early days of learning management system, most LMSs started off as being content creators that offered right a a, a tool to deliver their content, um, and that quickly became an unsustainable model because of the amount of money it takes to create content. Right, it's a highly service-driven industry with a lot of um, overhead built into it. Right, um, which is not something that fits well in a public, you know, a technology-based company from a, a profits perspective. So, so it'll be. But the market seems to agree. This financial analysts seem to be thrilled with this announcement. So I don't think that's the direction that the financial analysts are thinking about. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, I mean. Um, this makes good sense for Grovo, um, and I think it, I think it does make good sense for Cornerstone as long as they don't get heavy into the content creation side of it. So, yeah. Cool. Yep. And then we also have, I think, you know, there were some really big announcements um, on the recruiting side with these uh, more personalization. We're talking about personalization for um, what was going on in the learning space, but the personalization on the recruiting space is sort of taking off. We talked a little bit about it with iSIMS, but um, Moonlighting launched a new on-demand hiring API. Um, it's the first, you know, API that adds a compelling freelance offering to our news uh, media solution tapping a whole new talent base for recruitment. Um, we also saw that Eightfold launched their AI-powered personalized career site. 
um, for employees and candidates. And we saw that um, Phenom people announced their AI for talent acquisition market. Um, all of these are, are very much focused on sort of the idea of personalization, um, along with Muse acquiring an HR technology company called TalentShare. So Muse is, again, a, a sort of next generation um, site for organizations to sort of research companies, do career management, and TalentShare is a, is a tool for matching, right? Um, recruiting seems to be all about personalization these days, John. Is, is that the direction we're heading? <laughs> I don't know what personalization means yet, right? Often, often in these cases, personalization means if you come back to our website a lot, we'll offer you jobs that are closer to what you're looking for. But, you know, that means that the people that you're trying to reach are people who are having trouble finding work because they keep coming <laughs> back. Um, and so, so, so I'm not sure that that's, that that's viable. I'm not sure that personalization of the employment website, um, um, based on the observation of, uh, candidate behavior, I'm not sure that's, that's a coherent model really, if you look at it, but, but it's what people are trying to do. Um, um, that's is that the way it's going right? I think I think I think we're at this really interesting juncture where people don't know where recruiting is going. There's there's a million new tools out there and they solve little tiny bits and pieces of problems um but there's no big picture of where this thing is going. Right there's no, yeah. there's no real new idea in recruiting. It, that's 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 sort of a you know I think this this is the hard part a little bit right because recruiting generally has been the sort of center of innovation in the HR technology space right um, with the most exciting most interesting ideas and you know one of the conversations we had while I was at Kronos this week was about sort of the ethics around the artificial intelligence right you know if you're making flight risk recommendations if you're making recommendations about scheduling you know, ethically, are there some issues around how you're analyzing those algorithms, the black box of the data analysis companies have to understand? Um, and it was quickly brought up that, you know, probably the most dangerous place where a lot of artificial intelligence is being done, um, even in this personalization conversation, right? Because once you personalize, that means you're showing 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 something that is specific to that personalization algorithm, which means you're not showing something else to that person, right? Um, right. Everyone in the room agreed that it was recruiting that was running the most dangerous game in this space. Would you agree with that? Yeah. the The question is that uh, I, I agree. I agree that 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 the risks are least understood by the recruiting department, but it's also a very, very you know, it's a very difficult place to get sued from, right? And so that's part of why there's so much innovation there. Is is if you don't get the job. Are you really going to sue? <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and and it's some sort of um, compliance-oriented legal problem. How in the world do you develop the case, right? And how do you prove that anybody was damaged? So, so there are legal risks but they they uh, they can be poo-pooed pretty easily the ethical risks are are different and the impact on the company risks are really interesting 
right? Because uh-huh. if you automate recruiting and if it's doing the wrong stuff, you may not be able to tell until it's too late. Until it has an effect on, on damaging right. your company. Yeah, this this year the I, I just saw it, it hasn't been it hasn't been put out on the streets next week, but I just saw a an attrition survey that says this year's turnover is twenty percent on average for a company. Yeah, right. so so if you're replacing twenty percent of your people and the algorithm's faulty, <laughs> you know, two years from now you you might wake up with a little bit of a headache and <laughs> and not a very clear way to correct it and nobody to hold accountable. Right? And so that's yeah. that that may be the biggest ethical problem. Yeah, and 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 my goodness, how the. The, if, if 20% is the average, and we know that in, in retail and, and healthcare organizations, and those type of organizations with high turnover, where it's more in the range of 80, sometimes 120%, depending on right the level of those industries, wow. You imagine turning over your, your, your complete workforce each year to some extent with a faulty algorithm. You could wipe out your company in a matter of, of a year or so, right? Yep. You're listening to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. Looking for a new way to attract and engage top talent? Add student loan repayment to your benefits lineup. Benefit Ed makes it easy to offer this in-demand benefit any time of the year. Simple administration for you, simple sign-up for employees. With programs to help pay down student loans or save for college, Benefit Ed meets the education goals of employees at any life stage. Compete for the best and build your own dream team. Learn more at youbenefited.com slash hrtech. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrtech. Yeah, I just got carried away with the conversation. That, that's I know, that's our problem. We, yeah, we always enjoy ourselves a little too much. But we did whip through our 30 minutes, as we have done in last uh, um today with a lot of conversation. Um, so uh, so we'll do it again next week, I'm sure. There's more topics that we didn't get a chance to cover. Yep. Thanks for doing this, Stacey. As usual, it was a great conversation. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you here next week. Thanks, everyone. You've been Bye. listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumter. Bye-bye now. <laughs>